Welcome along to From the Resort Podcast, episode number 22. It's the 30th of September 2021. I'm your host, Tim Wilshire. Um, so yes, yeah, so today we have a, a very special guest and I'd like to thank her obviously for her time. Uh, we have Angela Spackman who is uh, is the chair of the Queenstown Chamber of Commerce and also director of uh, Format Bespoke Joinery. Welcome along to the podcast, Angela. Thanks for having me, Tim. So, yeah, so uh, Format Bespoke Joinery, it's a mid-sized industrial uh, manufacturing facility. So that's, you've got that over at uh, Glendale Drive, correct? Is correct, that, yeah. yep. So we'll talk a bit about the business if you like, but uh, where we like to start these podcasts, I guess, is early life. Whereabouts were you born? I'm, I'm assuming you probably weren't born in Queenstown. No, very much not. I, I was born in Palmerston North, actually. Um, my father was uh, working at Massey University at the time, but I only spent my first two years of life there and moved to England, uh, Kent. So only really sort of a young toddler moving to England? Yes. Okay. So you, you're still, I dropped the odd English word still. Mm-hmm. Uh, came back as an eight-year-old with a beautiful English accent, mm-hmm. uh, which I quickly lost because all the kids at school uh, like to make fun of me. So, so when you came back to New Zealand, whereabouts did you Back to up? Wellington. Back to Wellington, yeah. Okay. So when people ask me what's my hometown, I do struggle with that a bit, but Wellington's where I did the later part of my primary and my high school. Yep. So I sort of say Wellington's home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've still got a mother and a sister in Wellington. Okay. Hmm. Mother and a sister there. Okay. So you li- so then you, did you grow up the rest of your young life in Wellington? Or? Well, after high school, came down to Dunedin. For okay. university. Yep. Uh, did a physiotherapy degree. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you remember, uh, I guess, what your, um, some of your hobbies that you got up to as a child? <laughs> it was all about sport. As and a what kid. sort of sports? Um, well, I suppose water polo was my main sport. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm five foot two, mm. so my other loves of basketball, netball and volleyball, <laughs> not really um, that viable for somebody at five foot two. So I guess the water does mitigate that issue. You're all treading water, so you mm. end up about the same size. Mm. Um, but yeah, I play anything. Um, I was sports captain of school because I just loved it. Yeah. Okay, so water polo, it's it's an interesting sort of sports. Yeah, it's a very sporty person. Um, sister also sporty or no? My sister's more of the arts kind, drama, that sort of thing, and being super bright. And um, I guess what what did you sort of think? It's sort of did you enjoy going to to school and that growing up? Did you were you good at your studies? Uh, yeah, I was pretty good at studies. I was always pretty conscientious. Uh, I guess I had to work hard. I wasn't you know, naturally super bright, but always had a very maths and science brain. So I always did math, science, PE, that sort of thing. Um, mm. But I didn't love high school, but, you know, sport got me through, I think, is partly why I did it. Mm. Yeah. Can you remember what your first job was as a, I guess, possibly a teenager do. doing yeah. it? I uh, cleaned a lady's house uh, and looked after her children um, so I used to go after school and yeah, clean her house for her once a week, but then also babysit her, her younger children. Mm, okay. So you, you mentioned um, uh, Otago University and uh, being obviously doing physio mm. as, as a profession. When did you decide, I guess, 
uh, to tackle that first as a, I guess, along your career path? I, I think it was always sort of a natural thing to take the science and maths brain and match it up with the sport. Yeah, okay. Is, is where I thought. I've always been fascinated by the human body and, mm. and how it works and the actual insides and outsides of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's what drew me to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I always saw if you're going to be an athlete, you needed to be in good physical condition. So... Mm. Um, helping people get into good physical condition was always appealing. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, that was. A, so how did you find sort of Otago University as far as a place to study? Most, um, from what I hear from most guests that we've had on the mm. podcast that have been there, it's it's obviously a really really good university, and people uh, had a lot of enjoyable experiences. Um, in, in Dunedin in particular. Mm. What, what Loved base? it. Yeah. Loved it. So I was at Selwyn College, which mm. is a great hall very close to the university. Uh, and I've made lifelong friends there. So um, met my husband there. Yep. <laughs> so he was always at, uh, also at Selwyn with me. Um, just had a really good time. I mean, I guess I wasn't one of those students that did 17 hours a week and then partied the rest because physio is a fairly full-on degree. Yeah. So there's there was a lot of work, mm-hmm. um, but there was a lot of good times and a lot of you know really forming me as a person and, and that friendship group. Mm. So once you sort of uh, completed university, did you sort of obviously go out and, and start working in that space full yeah, time? Back to Wellington because um, your fourth year of uh, physio, you choose Wellington, Christchurch, or Dunedin to complete. So being that I could go back and live in my mum's house, <laughs> save some money, I uh, went back and did my fourth year in Wellington. So that carried on to getting a job in Wellington. Uh, and then the pull of my husband now, who was my boyfriend then, uh, I came down and did a season at, in Wanaka. Okay. So he worked at Triple Cone as a ski instructor. And okay. I got a job as a physio working, I ran a clinic in Twizel. Mm-hmm. And also worked up at uh, Cadrona Ski Field at part of their ski patrol. So how long ago was that? That was. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be about twenty years ago, okay. at least. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, that was, that was, that was your sort of first experience uh, in this area, or? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, as as a uh, young girl, we skied Tourer because. Yep. Um, we went from Wellington. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had come here, I know, my first year at uni, my dad had come down uh, and we had driven up to Wanaka and had a ski. So mm-hmm. I had been through um, Wanaka, that that sort of age, I guess, yep. was the first time I went through. Um, but yes, that was probably where I lived for six months in Wanaka. That's the first time I really experienced it. Mm. Mm. Excellent. So obviously that sort of got you into, you know, obviously liking perhaps the area and yeah. and uh, obviously, you're, you, as you said, you're a sporty person, you like getting out there and I'm sure you went up the snow fields, yes. Treble Cone, probably Cardrona, yes. here and there, Coronet yes. Peak Remarkables. Yeah. Um, so then did you end up going back to Wellington after that? No, I went, went to London. So I went back to London, okay. Mm, so I did my OE. Uh, so filled in the mountain of paperwork to get accreditation and in uh, England as, as a physio, as a physio yep. mm-hmm. and worked for a couple of years as a locum, okay. um, travelling around all sorts of places, essentially making enough money to go on my next trip. Yeah, it was really the focus. So heaps of travel, um, you know. in and around the UK, or 
Yeah, all UK, all of Europe. Okay. Um, you know, came back via Turkey and Africa. Mm. Um, yeah, even managed some of the states, that sort of stuff. Okay. Hmm. Love. I love that sort of travel. Yeah, no, I'm <coughs> certainly one to love travel. I mean, travel was something you always talk about. Feel, um, feels a lifetime ago, though, at the moment, doesn't yeah. it? Well, probably, yeah. Yeah. It mm. does. Um, so, so how long was that sort of, you doing that sort of thing? Good for? couple of years. Mm. Um, so I had, we had thought about staying. Mm. Um, I distinctly remember being on a truck in Africa and looking at Reuben. Africa, okay. And going, I think we should go home. And we both went, yeah, let's do that. Um, so it wasn't really that big a decision, but mm. we just decided it was time. Mm. Um, so we ended up, we'd already planned to come home for that Christmas mm-hmm. via Africa. Yeah. Um, but we decided to stay. Um, so that was back to Wellington. Mm-hmm. Um, and into my first corporate job. Mm. So tell me about your first corporate job. ACC. Um, which is a very interesting company in New Zealand. Um, Look, I, I can't say that the corporate world is for me, but I do really value that experience. Uh, I had uh, a boss who was an ex-physio. There was mm-hmm. a few ex-physios in the, in the area that we um, worked. Um, and I worked in the injury prevention department, so looking at how to reduce injuries around the country. Uh, it's a really interesting company because it starts with fantastic statistics, mm-hmm. which a lot of countries don't have. Um, so we can really, we were really able to focus on, you know, the things that actually might make a difference. Mm. Um, it was well funded, um, and it was yeah a, a reasonably good experience. Mm. So, and so how long were you in that sort of corporate role for? Three years. Okay, but that was enough. <laughs> yeah. And that was obviously all in Wellington. It was all in Wellington. Yeah. Did you ever, you ever, you ever, have you ever lived in Auckland before or not? No, I've never, never lived in Auckland. Okay. It confuses me. I get very lost in Auckland. It's a, probably a big, it's a big place compared to the rest of um, New Zealand, isn't it? So Yeah. Um, so moving, so the, what, after that uh, corporate role then, what did you decide to do? Is that... Um, well, I was pregnant. First, yep. And had my first child. So at that stage, um, my husband got offered a transfer with his job over to Sydney. Mm-hmm. And being that I was pregnant and that we were going to go down to a one-income family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the role in Sydney looked good, you know, mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. some great perks with it yep. that would um, mean that we could sort of maintain a lifestyle. Mm. So off to Sydney we went. I think the original job was for three years. Mm-hmm. Well, we stayed ten. So you stayed a whole decade in Sydney. Yeah, so both my well. children were born in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, started my first business there and um, yeah. I, I love Sydney. Okay, well, it's, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, a few, quite a few people that live in Sydney, but um, so 10 years, that's that's a good stint. Uh, mm. I guess you know, kids were born there. Mm. Um, what part of Sydney did you sort of live? Roselle. Roselle, yeah. So okay. Right near Balmain, nice and close Pretty, to town. Yeah, very close to town. Mm. Um, Balmain, did, yeah. did you get involved at all in the rugby league scene? or? <laughs> no, I'm no, not really much of a no. league fan. Okay. But, you know, like our oval was in walking distance of home. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, we did, did go to some things down there. Yeah, so, okay. So, basically, you obviously um, single mother. Not sorry, single mother. <laughs> um, single income family for a little while. Just for a little while. Um, uh, I guess one of the things is I always knew I wanted to work for myself. Yeah. 
In fact, in my interview at ACC, she asked me where she saw where I saw myself in five years' time, which is a classic question my father constantly asks. Yeah. But um, I said working for myself, mm. which is probably not the answer somebody in the corporate arena wants to. But while I was at ACC, I did some um, I did a postgrad diploma of business administration through Massey. Yeah. Um, so that business side was starting to creep into my world, yeah. I guess, and um, had my first kid, you know, had no history in Sydney. So I didn't have a job to go back yeah. to. I didn't, I was really open to opportunities. So, um, me, so you basically started your first business while you were in Sydney. That would be hmm. a little bit daunting, but tell us how, how it all sort of kicked off the ground. Well, it kicked off, I guess, I was having dinner back in Wellington with a friend, a really old friend of mine and his wife, and I said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not sure what I want to do, but I want to do something. And they just had their house photographed by Open to View, which is a New Zealand um, real estate marketing company. Hmm. And she said, oh, I was talking to the guy, and the, he said that there were franchises being sold in Australia. So I got in touch with them um, and I was initially looking at quite a small sort of photography but I ended up um, buying the sort of Sydney CBD and Eastern Suburbs franchise, so a fairly large area um, territory I guess it was called um, of the franchise. In, in so what was the franchise called? Open to view. Open to view, okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, if, I mean, guess for someone who hadn't been in business before, you enter a franchise because you think you'll be supported and, you know, there's a lot of things taken care of that you don't need to necessarily think about. Mm-hmm. Um, that should all be taken care of. But I was pretty much thrown in the deep end, left to it. Um, yeah. But battled my way through, I guess. Yeah. So I guess when you when you sort of kick this off, um, how long until you sort of had an, I guess started employing people and? Well, I guess our first aim was to um, get it to a point where my husband could leave corporate mm-hmm. and come and join me. Okay. So um, that took a little longer because I, I sort of built it up and then got pregnant with my second child, mm-hmm. and I don't do pregnancy well, so I was very sick. Mm. So there was a bit of a drop off, and then um, but I had a I'd already got a, um, another photographer on board by then so she was working on that um, and then I built it probably about five years in he could come and then the GFC hit <laughs> yeah okay so I saw what was really interesting about the GFC in the real estate industry was you realize how many real estate agents there are and how few of them are actually making any money or have got sort of a decent business running Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of them that aren't necessarily good at what they do, but because of the, where the market was, they were able to make a living. Yeah. So major consolidation of our clients, um, which meant our husband had to go back to work. Mm. Um, so it's a really interesting time of how you manage a business through through those hard times. Yeah. Which, you know, it's such valuable lessons, mm. really, really valuable lessons to learn and um, how we brought everything in-house because I had been outsourcing a lot of the um, photography touch-ups and that. So bringing all that in, just consolidating right down mm. to the absolute bare minimum and then starting again to build it back up. Jeez, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, part of that build-up was that the market started to turn and... Um, so we, 
I've always been really good at focusing on keeping a few clients really happy mm. and sticking with them. So yeah. I'm very loyal to clients, not floating about. Um, so in that GFC time, I really kept those clients close. And as they started to get busier, we you know got busier and um, we sort of together, I mm. guess, uh, worked through that. So then built it back up to the point, again, husband left corporate, mm. <laughs> came back in. Mm. Okay. Mm. So it was a major learning curve, I guess. Mm. Mm. So I guess the, the time in Sydney, how did that sort of come to an end and, and what did you do after you, you sort of left Sydney? So the, the Sydney time came to an end. It was really my husband that pushed. He wanted to come home. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was done with Sydney. Uh, so we started to look at where in New Zealand we'd come back to. Uh, I love Wellington, but um, the weather... Yes. <laughs> so there's not something you can change. Um, so we talked about Nelson for a while, and eventually we landed on Queenstown. Um, my husband's family are Wanaka and Alexandra. Okay. Uh, he, of course, loves skiing, being an ex-ski instructor. Mm-hmm. But um, it's I have to admit, it's the international airport that really was a big thing for me. Okay. Obviously not so much lately, but when we first arrived here, we could fly direct back to Sydney. Yeah, direct to Brisbane. Sydney, yeah. It's, yeah. It's too easy. I can fly out to Auckland, see my dad, or Wellington, see my mum. And um, for me, that's a really valuable feature of Queenstown. Mm. Do, you, do you, the airport noise, do you hear much of that here? Or? We lived under the flight path of Sydney yeah. Airport. So at 6 a.m. they would all yeah. come in. Yeah. I think it's just something you get used to. But to be perfectly honest, I don't really hear it here. Yeah. I hear them take off. Uh, mm. I, don't, I don't hear them land. Mm. And, and I feel most of it goes over the top of me. Yeah. So I, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm. Yeah. So I've made the decision to, to move here uh, yeah. into Queenstown. Um, and uh, about, tell us, I guess, how things kicked off here in, in Queenstown. So before we moved here, we wanted to buy a business. Mm. So we'd done the, you know, have a business and build it up. Yeah. And, and you know, that has its challenges, it has its learning curves, and, it, you know, there's pluses to it. Um, but moving to a completely new environment where we, yeah. we don't know anyone, we don't know how the system works here, how the what the market's like. Yeah. We didn't re. We just weren't in a position to take that kind of risk again. Whereas, um, so we looked around, good ten, almost twelve months, looking at businesses to buy. Mm. There were a lot of rescue missions. Yep. You know, companies that were failing that were um, ready to buy. And look, there's a great market in that if you feel like you can yep. turn it around. Yep. But because we didn't live here, we didn't know the market. It just felt too risky. Yep. Uh, and then this. Um, format bespoke joinery came up on Friday night and uh, we took away all the papers we were happened to be camping that weekend so I guess uh, bespoke, bespoke joinery I mean when you look at what you and your husband had done <laughs> up until this point yeah. there wasn't a lot of um, no. what was the experience you know in joinery prior to buying the business none mm. however the business was also owned by someone who was not a joiner okay um, so that gave us confidence. You know, there are a lot of joinery companies that have been run by a single bloke for years and the, the company's based on the reputation of his work. Yes. This was not a company like that. So um, I guess we felt confident in that because of that. Mm. Um, yeah, so 
we knew the staff were good. We knew they had some good systems in place. Mm. Um, so we so felt it's obviously good systems. Um, yep. How many staff at the time when you did buy? Um, oh, that's testing the memory. I'm going to go with about eight. Yeah, so good. Just a nice little small. Yeah, manageable. But, but we know but them all well. Um, yeah, you know, staff that you're still going to manage. That's yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so that had it all, and I guess the early day, the early years of that, how did mm. that all sort, sort of go? Was did it sort of go to plan? Was do you think it was, obviously turned out it's probably a good investment? But mm. um, what were those early years like? Again, huge learning curve, yeah. which is good. I love I love new things, love learning. It, it keeps me alive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, learning all about joinery was the big thing. You know all the intricacies of, of it. Uh, one one big thing I did I didn't really appreciate before I owned a joinery company is, is how joinery really finishes off a house. Yeah. You know, um, it really changes the dynamics of a house and can really lift it to something really special. Mm. Um, so that was exciting. Um, I guess we didn't probably fully appreciate the difficulties of running a business in Queenstown. Um, and maybe that's a good thing because maybe we might not have done it if you really think about it. But it was, you know, it's turned out really well. Um, we've got a great team there. It's always a dynamic, you know, people are always moving on or coming in. But um, generally they're, they're really good at what they do. And that's what we tend to do. Um, Ruben and I tend to focus on the, the clients and the external. And then once it gets very technical, we hand it over to the guys that know what they're doing. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, so the Queenstown Chamber of Commerce, um, was that around, I guess that was around when you first moved here? Yeah, not long after I got here. Mm. I started looking at um, what I wanted to do and, you know, um, some things that interest me and governance has always interested me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a chat uh, with Richard Thomas at the time and just sort of said, oh, you know, is this something that you can get into in Queenstown? Is there enough... Of it around to get involved and um, he was very enthusiastic about it and he was actually the person that told me to put my hat in the ring for the chamber mm. so um, he didn't mention that I had to then stand up at the AGM and do a three-minute speech about myself but um, I found that out yeah a little bit after that um, but yeah it definitely aligns with everything I'm about the yeah I mean the chambers of commerce as, as I spoke to before the podcast I mean, I, I like the you know if you've got a good one. Yes. Um, I think that you know basically the the social networking aspect of mm-hmm. the chamber. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a, a board of about you know the size that you've got ten to twelve mm. is a good number. That's big. Um, and they all get along. I'm sure they all get. Well, you know, I'm sure there's mm. they'll butt heads about occasionally about something. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's a lot of there's always got to be respect between people on the board in order to Correct. get things done. Yeah. Um, I guess, as far as uh, your time in, in Queenstown, um, did you sort of get onto the board fairly quickly? or? Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I probably I was only here a year or so yeah. before I, I got involved. Yeah. Um, I guess part of it is I'm hugely passionate about um, the positive effect that well-run SMEs can have yeah. on a community. Mm. Um, and... I think the chamber sits in that space really well. You know, we don't we we do have some big corporates in Queenstown, but not very many. We are a town of SMEs essentially. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I like that the fact that 
it does it has that feel that there's no real huge global corporates that you know that mm. are really controlling things. Yeah, and they um, um yeah, I think that there's uh, it's good to see it. I think it you know it provides good employment for the community. Um, it, but there are a lot of stresses for the owners, and I oh, guess definitely. that's where the chamber comes in, is to try and get those owners or those senior people together mm. so they can um, meet people like themselves and, you know, talk about their common issues and common solutions too, which is really good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, we're, I think the Chamber of Commerce, um, I, like, I mean, I certainly like the way it's ran. It's certainly, the first time I went to an event, it sort of did attract me to, to want to go to pretty much as many mm. events, well, certainly the business after five events yeah. uh, as I could. Um, plus any other events like a lunch is, is yeah. always something they should have three or four lunches a year or and all these other things things that they have along the way it's certainly yeah. well organized the golf day last year I think I attended that yeah um, always so, a big day so um, no it's, it's great to, to have I the think... Chamber of Commerce and people like yourself that are, are there sort of um, you know with, with a lot of influence on how things end up yeah, I think that's, the, the, unfortunately, that's the sort of the hidden work that the Chamber does. I think, as you say, the events are really important mm. and it keeps a lot of our members coming. That's yep. sort of for them why they are members of the Chamber. But some of the really important work we do is the advocacy work. Yes. And, and that's perhaps a little hidden and we, we do try and communicate it. Mm. And certainly some of our members are very interested in that and others just come purely for the events. And I say, why ever you're with us is great. Mm. Um, but the advocacy work is really important, um, you know, constantly at government to provide the best environment for our businesses is what it's about. Yeah, that's no, good. And it's certainly it's, 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 it's a big enough chamber that it employs a couple of people to keep, you know, keep mm. everything on, on the mm. pulse. It, certainly, you know, the more sort of hands you've got on deck, the more things. Correct. I mean, we're, six, we're almost 600 members. So, yeah. you know, as far as chambers around the country go, we're, we're of a reasonable it's size. Very, it's very large, yeah. Yeah. And, to, to and you know, we, we have a close relationship with the Wanaka Chamber, who've got another 300. So often, 300, when, wow. yeah, so often when we're doing uh, advocacy work, you know, mm. we're, we're sort of talking on behalf of the area. Yeah. And um, so we're a pretty strong voice when it comes to you know, numbers of businesses involved. Mm. So I guess uh, we'll talk about a few other things to do with um, industries and that, but uh, just some of the other things that you get, you're involved in, um, you're on the board also of the Winter Games New Zealand or trustee type position. Yes. Tell me how that came about. <laughs> it came about uh, from a phone call from Sir Ion Edgar, um, bless him. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he just rang me completely out of the blue one day and said, would I like to come and talk to him and I'd never met him. Uh, I went through uni with his son but mm. I, apart from that I had no real involvement with him and uh, so we had a cup of tea and his dog Poppy sat with me and we discussed the possibility of a directorship there um, with the Winter Games. I mean it really was his passion, it was his part of his legacy mm. is the Winter Games. Um, it's great for our area. Uh, and for me, I guess it, it marries up that business and that sport um, aspect mm. for me. Yeah. So for me, it was a perfect fit. Um, and it's got some really interesting people on the board. So I'm okay. learning a lot. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. Um, 
So I guess let's talk a bit about it, Queenstown generally. I mean, obviously you, you, you've been here a bit now and uh, mm. getting involved. Um, what have you seen sort of change since you first moved here? Obviously, other than obviously, you know, real estate prices kept going up. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what else have you sort of seen? Have you seen much change, I guess, since, since you moved? I mean, it's only five years. So, mm. I, and I guess when you're in it, you don't recognise the changes. But I think... Um, you know, part of it has been the building out in Frankton yep. is quite dramatic. So mm. I think for locals, it has really changed the dynamic. I mean, you often hear that locals don't go into town, which I think is a real shame. Mm. I love yeah. town. Yeah, town's good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a little dynamic that's changed. Um, mm. You know, and I think the building of houses further away from the centres like you know Jack's Point and Hanley's Farm I think that changes the dynamic again because that's everybody in their cars mm. coming in cars yeah um, so I think that um, that's changed the dynamic a little bit that sprawl I guess of, of housing um, and the infill of you know Lake Hayes and, and uh, shot over country so mm. Yeah. But certainly, look, at it's an expensive place now to, to uh, live, isn't it? When, it, when it comes to you know, property prices in particular, mm-hmm. uh, probably, uh, you know, you're sort of looking at, you, you've lived in Sydney before, you know what the Sydney's Sydney, expensive. You yeah. know what Sydney's like as far as uh, prices when you were there, yeah. living there. So, um, I guess you, you've got to ask, why is it expensive? And it's expensive because people want to be here. Yeah, people want to be here. And there's, the supply is just not there. No. It's... Um, for the demand, so yeah, uh, that's why you know, and obviously we we just you read articles in in you know the mountain scene or the paper mm-hmm. about um, you know people trying to build new houses and and, and the mm. sort of rigmarole that they go through now to say look well, it's it, we quoted you this but it's an extra hundred and fifty k because costs because are the escalating, are yeah. escalating. So mm. uh, what do we do about keeping <laughs> Prices under control. I see you want you want me to solve the housing issue no, right, right no, here, no. right now. <laughs> Look, no, it, it's no. a hugely complex, you know, multifaceted issue. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't think you know, COVID's not helping with no, the, not. Sh- the shipping no. is in a complete disaster. The supply chain is mm. um, really messed up and is going to take many years to unpack. I think, unfortunately, mm. and rising costs. I think um, we should always be looking at. What is a first home buyer's house? You know, there seems to be a focus on the three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. Mm. Um, my first home was an absolutely... I mean, it was a crappy little apartment with a crappier little apartment underneath it. And, you know, so the the idea that the, lad- the property is a ladder and so, you know, you start with something not so ideal and you mm. work to something rather than focusing on buying something like your parents had... Yeah. because they often, that's not their first home either, or if yes. it is their first home, they paid not a lot for it. Exactly. Um, so one of the things you've got in Queenstown is we don't have those choices. Mm. So there aren't, I mean, there, there might be a crappy little apartment, but it's in town and it costs still costs a lot. Um, mm. You know, I guess we're building apartments out in Frankton a little bit more, mm. but to me it's a range of range of housing that mm. we, we need we don't all need to be in three bedroom, two bathroom houses with a backyard. It's we need a range. I mean, similar in Sydney, as I said, you're used to living there. The same sort of issue with, with house prices. 
uh, and people trying to get into the into the pricing into the you know first home ladder. Where do you start? You know, what price mm. point do you start at? Do you start or do you not start? Yes. I mean, there's a lot of um, people that rent, uh, and then will you know it's sometimes it's smarter to rent and invest somewhere else. Mm. But I think you know, and then first home buyers at the moment have got up against other first home buyers who are using their parents' equity. Yeah. That apparently is the. The current. It's been around for a while, yeah. It is, but I think it's escalated now mm. because, you know, the, the parents' houses have gone up in so much yeah. value that there's so much more equity there. Yes. And so if you're a person who doesn't have that, mm. you know, and you have to actually save your every penny of your deposit, mm. that, that's a huge issue. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a multifaceted approach. I mean, there's, you know, there's talk of requiring developers to provide some housing for first home builders, that's great, but you have to incentivize that. The carrot and the egg, I mean, the carrot and the, egg, the, the, carrot and the stick, yeah. both need to be there. Mm. Um, so that while they're incentivized to do it, there's also a you know requirement as well. Mm. But you can't just require them to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, one thing we haven't really spoken about too much, um, I guess there's been a, certainly been an effect in more recent times with, with um, you know, lockdowns, pandemic, uh, with Queenstown, a lot of the tourism industry is is sort of um, suffering or uh, mm-hmm. and may continue to suffer for some time. Um, it's, it's certainly been a, a huge effect on um, a lot of the businesses, mm-hmm. a lot, even a lot of them being SMEs mm-hmm. uh, here in, in Queenstown and surrounds. Um, and obviously, you know, things, that, as, you, as you said, that the things that are affecting your business are probably the supply chain, perhaps... Yeah, um, look, yeah, I think, I mean, our business has got its challenges, but yeah. I don't want to be all doom and gloom compared to the hospitality or the yeah. tourism industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's catastrophic yeah. for a lot of businesses, and it's incredibly sad to see. Yeah. As you say, they're SMEs, a lot of them. Um, they don't have deep pockets. If they had any cash in the bank, that they went through that last lockdown. Mm. So, you know... That's it. They've possibly borrowed at that point as well. So they're now further in debt without any income, some of them. Yeah, and a lot of these places, even just in town, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's making town look like a, you know, not so much close to a ghost town sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's incredibly sad to see. So, I, I mean, I, I do say... I do think Queenstown people are very resilient. Mm. They're very entrepreneurial yeah. and, and they're good at looking after themselves because Queenstown essentially is left alone by the government. They, they don't see us as a big enough problem for them to help, really. Mm. So I think, you know, the locals are good at getting back up mm. and I think they will get back up, but at the moment it's pretty dark for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess, what do you think uh, Queenstown really needs to do then, what, as far as... Um, I'm going to solve Queenstown's problems too. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, I yeah. guess it's... We're not sort of... Well, it's really discussion more than solving the problem. Yeah. Um, it's a case of, okay, well, if you're... You've, you've certainly got a bit of influence over, you know, some stuff mm, when yes. it comes to um, your position. Mm. Being, the, you know, on the chair, obviously, um, you've got a board there that, that we, you talk amongst uh, mm-hmm. to get different ideas. And you've got, you know, people like Roof working there as well, yep. um, who seems to be doing a good job. Mm-hmm. 
to I guess what what do you think it is there anything in particular that needs to be a focus do you think of of the people generally in Queenstown when it comes to or, or the council or you know what what do we need sort of need to do next at this point we need the borders open yeah it's as simple as that i mean we can you know we can ask the government for more subsidies uh, we can we can do all of that um, but there are people in town with no clients meaning no income whatsoever mm. and that you know that's not going to change until we open the borders so the focus has to be vaccinate yeah as fast as we possibly can and actually give us a plan because mm. at the moment the uncertainty with the lack of plan coming from the government means that businesses can't plan they don't know how long to hang on because yeah. a lot of them are absolutely hanging by their nails and if there was a plan and they could see okay i mean i was talking to an events person yeah. yesterday and you know if he knew that this was going to happen then then he would be able to book and he would know, okay, I can hang on till then. You know, some sort of plan mm. is what businesses here need. I mean, we've seen that, you know, a lot of, though that's, you know, we, we talked about the hospitality and, and um, tourism, how, how, you know, especially tourism mm. affected, but, you know, event planning is just impossible really at the moment um, well it is i mean when i when i asked him about it he said that um you know anyone who's paid a deposit mm. is rebooking or postponing their yep. event but if people hadn't paid a deposit they're just cancelling their events yeah i mean it's <coughs> it's a case of you know when we you know you, you know you have when are we going to see and, and going forward once we sort of have the borders open once we mm. sort of um you know once we sort of vaccinate and What's next as far as, I mean, are we sort of going to be, things going to be different when it comes to, you know, a COVID safe event or... Um, yes, they're going to have to be different, you know, so, aren't they? Uh, but, and we're seeing it across, you know, both these countries in a way. There's a lot of mixed messages and a lot of <clears throat> contradictions as well. Mm. Um, you're seeing sporting events with large numbers, uh, yeah. you know, 30,000, mm. 50,000 people, um, going to events where you know they've had covid cases not too you know not too long ago or yes. in the vicinity and they're still doing that sort of thing and uh, yes. but yet they're locking down at another time and then they mm. and they're deciding okay well if you're trying to run a music event you can't do that because you know because we're not going to help you we're going to help all this, these types of sporting people so there's also been some talk with um MIQ spots being given oh. to sports people because mm. It's considered business, whereas the music, for some reason, don't seem to fit into that business, even though it is their livelihood and it, it you know, it is their business. Yeah. So, um, MIQ is just, oh, we, we can talk about how much of a disaster oh, that is. Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> it's just one of those things that you, you say, well, mm. you know, it's, it's something we've got to have to live with for a little bit longer anyway. Exactly. Um, but we need to know how long and you know mm. what's it look like it's just, going yeah, forward the communication is saying you know we, they're trying, they, they should be anticipating what's going to happen more in the future but they're just not mm. um, so they're saying okay we, we want it, it's you know the mixed message is okay does, do we have to have 75% vaccinated 80% 85 yeah. 90% what's the magic number in New Zealand they haven't said what no. that magic number is you can only 
assume it's something you know it's, it's not yeah. even printed somewhere <laughs> i don't think no um so that's that's certainly you know an issue but yeah. um as far as queenstown what, what do you like to sort of do here for, uh, when it comes to recreation and hobbies i mean we've spoken obviously yeah. about you're a sporty person but what do you like to get up to here well, I guess in winter we ski, and mm. summer we water ski, and water ski, okay. water ski and um, bike a bit. Um, but I do like when people ask parents about their hobbies because I mean I have two teenage children, yeah. So I guess my hobbies are driving them to their sporting events. <laughs> and what do they what do they get up to as far as do they soccer or does um, rugby? I've got a daughter that plays rugby, volleyball, um, touch and does a bit of triathlons, mm. not so much anymore. Um, and I've got a son who's mad about cricket. Yep. Uh, cricket seems to be really popular down here. Cricket's becoming popular here um, because the cricket club is run by a fantastic woman who has mm. really grown it. Um, mm. She's an ex-White Fern herself, um, and she's done an incredible job of, of growing the club. So it's getting there. We just don't have the facilities. So you can, mm. that's another thing you can hear me bang on about <laughs> is some sporting facilities. Um, yep. Yeah, so lots of cricket and then uh, rugby and hockey in the winter for him as well. So there's a lot going on there. Sounds and amongst like the water skiing and the skiing with the family as well. Yeah, no, that's, that'd so. be enough. <laughs> so yeah. That's enough to sort of yeah. keep anyway. So I'd love to say I've got lots of hobbies, but no. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. And obviously running the you know, positions on these different boards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the business. So it's all, it's all, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't allow much time to do much else. No. Uh, as far as um, travel destinations, um, I know you've seen a bit of traveling. What was your favorite sort of um, travel destination or place that you've been to? Oh, I loved Turkey. Um, Turkey, that's an interest. I don't think I've had anyone say that's their favorite, so that's interesting. Uh, I loved the food, mm. I loved the people. I loved how easy it was to get around. I do. Okay. I mean, I remember turning up to a bus stop and, you know, being lost, not sure where I was going, which bus to go on. So, you know, really badly pronouncing the place I wanted to go. Mm. And somebody just put me on the right bus and off you went. So um, I found it really easy to get around and, you know, the country's beautiful and um, I really enjoyed that, actually. Mm. I have been back to Africa um, since my first trip, I took the kids back. So, as well. do, you, do you really like it in Africa? Is that one of your more favourite places, or just interesting place? I think it's fascinating. Mm. I think it's um, you know, and, and I guess I love all the animals. <laughs> That's the other thing. Mm. So um, yeah, I just think it's a really interesting part of the world. Um, and I, I guess, taking my children there is also part of that making sure they're aware of their privilege mm. and you know as much as we can sit around and talk about Queenstown's problems mm. um, it really is a bubble here and that getting out and seeing how everybody else lives um, can be a really good part of the education about you know life's actually pretty good yeah no, it's <laughs> definitely pretty good when you when you think about you know what, what's what else is out there in the world and mm. Um, all the, there's always you know larger towns that have got rough areas and you know yeah. poverty, um, you know other other third world countries. Mm. Uh, it's certainly um, you know definitely feel privileged to to you know you wake up every day and you think wow this is heaven. Yeah, so I think um, we just need I think we just need to remind ourselves of that fairly regularly because mm. <laughs> you can get bogged down and you know 
your little world here in Queenstown. Yeah. Um, so it's good to take a breath every once in a while. And so I guess um, one of the things to finish up with, um, with, with the business, which mm. is format bespoke joinery, um, where do you think that's sort of, where are you sort of going to be taking that in the future? Do you sort of, can you see yourself, um, I guess, building that business up a bit more or doing or, ex- or expanding out into anything, any, any other, anything else? Yeah, uh, yes. I mean, the, the business um, at the moment, we're consolidating on um, a lot of our systems and getting that refined. Um, so the next goal is to then probably get someone in to reduce my husband's hours. Um, and then, yeah, we've always talked about expansion. Um, I guess that's the way you do it. I, I don't think we can do that in Queenstown as such because um, we're restricted by the size of our factory. Yeah. And going any bigger is just, you know, the land here is really expensive and that sort of thing. So um, we'll look at other ways of expanding it for sure. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's great. We've got some really great clients here who mm. um, really value having a local joiner mm. that can partner with them because mm. um, that's what we do. Mm. So I guess of all the different types of work and joinery that, that are there, <laughs> uh, what's the most common um, thing that I guess a client's requesting? We're doing kitchens a lot, obviously. Um, But over the years we've been here, what we're finding is we've been pulled more into the house lots. So, you know, we we come and do the kitchen, but we also do the laundry, the wardrobes, the vanities, the fireplace, the bookcase, all of that. Um, And, you know, built-in furniture is really big in Queenstown because we're building new houses. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the website and I was saying, gee, a little bit of a bookcase would be good (laughs) at home. And I've got some some ideas for that but yeah and so when it's purpose built it's exactly what you need it's you know what do you own and what do you want to put on display so um there's huge benefits for that Mm. um so yeah that's what we we do a lot of Mm. it's the big house lots of um right through the whole house Mm. um and as i say we partner with lots of builders and interior designers and architects um so they're the ones sending us most of our work okay so you've got a nice referral network through from them as well yeah Exactly. Uh, when they get sort of engaged as well, that's yeah. And builders like to work with people that they trust and they, you know, know what's going on. Yeah, so. definitely. I mean, uh, as, as we sort of said a few times, it's certainly a, a small town, um, you know, but obviously a growing area. You've got a lot, you know, even though it's slowly coming about, the the you know, new 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 sort of building getting done jack's point um mm-hmm. hanley's farm lots you know that wasn't like that 10 years ago no. uh, or even five years ago i don't think mm. when you first got here you probably mm. wouldn't have had a lot well, hanley's wasn't there five years ago um yeah there's yeah. a lot going on i mean i i when we started looking at businesses and i rang business brokers in queenstown and to be fair there weren't many mm. one laughed at me because i he said what do you want and i said i i don't know but i know i don't want hospitality tourism or retail and he laughed at me, like literally, and said, have you been to Queenstown? And I said, but I know, I know there's other industries. And so we settled on mm. um, something that supports the construction industry. Which it does, yeah. Yeah. And so having been laughed at, obviously with COVID, I'm feeling a little bit vindicated, um, mm. you know, in that decision. Yeah, definitely. Um, and part of that was we had small children at the time and we didn't want to work weekends because mm. we knew we'd be driving around the sports fields. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously IT sector. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's always an opportunity for the IT sector to expand mm-hmm. and have hubs in this sort of area. Um, I mean, that's. 
I mean, the diversification of the economy in Queenstown has been talked about for years. Mm. And I think COVID has highlighted our need yep. to, you know, really escalate that conversation mm. and to continue, yep. having, continue having it and to support it properly rather than just talk about it. Mm. Actually make those um, things happen. Yeah. And I think that th- that is starting for mm. sure. Mm. That, and that's probably a big change since I've been here is that move towards things like IT and some other really fascinating, interesting businesses mm. that are run here. Um, maybe a question, I don't always ask this, but it's good to, to, to finish off with, I guess. Yeah. Um, who would you say is, uh, is there somebody in your life that you, or that you look up to as far as a mentor or anything like that, that you sort of, that, that sort of helped you along your way or not? It's a really interesting question, and I'd love to give you one person, mm. but I don't. And I, I always have wished that I had a mentor, um, that I, but I've had lots along the way. Yeah, lots so of I, people there. And I think because yeah. I've changed industries and I've done lots of things. So I have had um, different people. You know, that, that first um, boss at ACC was, a, you know, she was somebody who I really looked at. She's gone on to do fabulous things, by the way. Um, you know, and, and, you know, even more recently, Sir Eon himself, you yeah. know, to me was a real mentor. And I learned some incredible things from him. And, you know, I'm just sad I didn't get to meet him years earlier, really, mm-hmm. um, and had more time with him, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm always, I'm always looking for people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love to learn and I, and I love to learn from people who are doing interesting things so um, yeah always looking for a new mentor <laughs> fair enough no I think what you I think uh, it's, thank you very much for your time Angela uh, it's been a pleasure to have you and we'll get this uploaded uh, before the weekend hopefully and mm-hmm. uh, be able to share it around to your network but, and uh, let, let all you people know on the chamber mm-hmm. on board that uh, we're getting through a few of them so it's really I've enjoyed Spending some time with someone with an Aussie accent. Yeah. Because I miss it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you've been, you lived in Sydney for such a long time. Yeah. Sydney even have their own accent, but anyway. But all um, my friends there have, have, yeah. have that accent, so it's, um, yeah, nice to hear it. Yeah, no, it's... Spend some time with you. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, thanks for, you, obviously, the opportunity to, for this, and uh, I'm glad you've sort of been forthright coming with, you know, what you've experienced hmm. uh, in your career, uh, your life, or what you think it was about a lot of different things to hmm. do with Queenstown as well, so... I do appreciate that. Uh, Thank you. And uh, I guess uh, we can only wish Queenstown all the best and do what we can do to to make it uh, as good as we can and, you know, wake up. It's heaven every day. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Tim.